Welcome to the Business Resilience Decoded podcast, brought to you by Asfalis Advisors and the Disaster Recovery Journal. Crisis management in today's world is ever-changing, and this podcast is our commitment to help you navigate successful outcomes for any crisis you may face. I'm your host, Vanessa Matthews. I specialize in providing insights and solutions for crisis, continuity, and resilience across industries from real estate and healthcare to terrorism in the airline and transportation worlds. No matter what industry you're in, this podcast will provide you the tools to build resilience in your organization. Welcome back to another episode of the Business Resilience Decoded podcast. Today, we're going to be talking again with Raven Solomon. This time, we'll be having a part two conversation, picking up from where we left off. But before we get started, I want to make sure that we check in on a few resilient resources and reminders. And as follows news, check out our website, number one, if you want to learn more about what we do as an organization. Number two, if you would like to recommend someone to be a guest on our podcast, you can do that on the the link for our um, podcast page. And also, if you would like to um, fill up your 2022 program calendar where you have a speaker's need, you can also book me as a speaker and we can have a conversation about what your needs are. In DRJ News, if you would like to learn more about the the journal, upcoming events, and upcoming conferences, you can view all of those links in the show notes today. So, and then lastly, if you enjoy our podcast, please leave us a review. We would love to hear more about how we're helping you to add value in your organizations and also just to know that you love the podcast and you're going to keep on tuning in. So let's dive right into our next um, episode I am super excited. We're going to be talking today to Raven Solomon. She's the founder and CEO and chief boss for all things generational diversity. Um, She is the CEO of Raven Solomon Enterprises. And today this podcast is titled The Risk of Exclusion. So that, 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 that. Hey, Raven. Hey, girl. Hey, how are you? Doing good. How are you? I am swell. I am swell. Coming off the road after, similar to you, after a really long, just kind of back to back to back to back stint of sessions with companies all over, but it's good. I'm excited. Awesome. Well, I'm excited. I've been uh, so excited about today's conversation. So we're going to go ahead and get right into it because the first time we we talked, I could have talked to you for an hour and um, I would love to hear more about what you have to say on the risk of exclusion. So we'll start with the business case. So people always say, I need a DNI strategy. My question is always, so what are you measuring and what are your KPIs and who gets fired? Yeah. <laughs> Those are three things that I want to know, but I'll ask you, what's the generational business case for diversity, equity, and inclusion? Yeah, I'm glad you threw in that generational word because we talk so often about the business case for this work and we talk a number of things. We talk about performance. We talk about uh, the KPIs that you mentioned, regardless of what your business is. But I don't know if we always talk about it from a generational perspective. So as you know, as a friend of mine, I see the generational perspective in everything. And this is no different. I mean, the reality is this next generation coming into the workforce that we're currently calling Gen Z, they're currently between the ages of nine years old and 25 years old. They are the most racially and ethnically diverse generation the U.S. has ever seen. They are also the most gender diverse generation this the United States has ever seen. And so the fact of the matter is the demographics are changing in our nation. And so if organizations are not considering that reality, you're already behind. 
you're already behind. And then certainly if you're not marketing towards that reality, and by marketing, I mean your product or service as, as a consumer, but also your company as a potential employer, right? And so we're, we're speaking to the talent of the future. And by the talent of the future, I mean, just a couple of years from now. So in just five years, Gen Z is expected to be about a quarter of the US workforce in five years. So when you think about the demographics of the generation being vastly different than prior generations, and you also think about what they're looking for, what they're asking for, in fact, I would take it even further, what they're demanding of organizations and power structures, the government, et cetera, it's just different. And they have the girth, they have the power, they have the money um, to demand it, similar to millennials and similar to baby boomers. And so with that being said, I think if we're not listening to Gen Z, if we're not preparing our organizations, our products, our services for them as potential consumers, and potential employees, then we are behind the eight ball and you've got to catch up. So I can go down a list of things that Gen Z is looking for, but I will pause and see what other questions you have for me. I know we'll have a few minutes. Absolutely. So you talked about they're the most gender diverse workforce and population. So um, based on your podcast, does that also include our LGBTQIA plus brothers and sisters when you say gender diverse? Because I wasn't just thinking male and female. Absolutely. So you think about transgender folks, you think about folks who identify as non-binary. So they you know, identify outside of just this kind of binary male and female that we typically box gender identity into. So yes, that's exactly right. When you think about the number of folks who identify outside of that binary, that's why we speak to Gen Z as being the most gender diverse generation that we've seen. The, the number of folks within that generation that do identify as transgender or non-binary is far greater than what we've seen in the past. Yep. And so when you say that a fourth of, of our uh, workforce, I, I think you said within five years will be yeah. Gen Z. Did every generation go through that wave? Like, were there always like, you know, were millennials at some point a fourth and then we were not, and then, you know, boomers and, and Gen Xers, or is this different or is it new? Yeah, absolutely. So good question. Every generation has been, has come into the workforce and been this quarter of the workforce, right? However, we know that in terms of size, baby boomers was the largest generation that had existed prior to any other generation. Then millennials took over and became the largest generation. And now Gen Z is taking that, that reign, if you will. And so with that, they're gonna come into the workforce and they're gonna be far more than, than a quarter eventually. But in terms of you know where we're looking at right now in 2025, 2026, they're, they're expected to be about a quarter. And so yes, every generation has been there. Millennials are a huge chunk of the workforce right now. Some folks say half, that's not true. It's really about, I would say, between 35 and 45% of the U.S. workforce is millennials. So um, yeah, we're, we're a huge chunk. That's substantial. <laughs> <laughs> Most certainly. Come on. Most certainly. All right, so what's the moral case? Like, what does that mean? Fusion Risk Management is your North Star for operational resilience. The Fusion Framework System provides a foundation that enables you to understand how your business works, how it breaks, and how to put it back together again, which allows you to make data-driven decisions so you can anticipate, 
prepare, respond, and learn through business disruptions and major crisis events. Head to the link in our show notes to request a demo today. Fusion Risk Management, building a more resilient world together. Yeah, so when I talk about commitment, being committed to diversity, equity, and inclusion work as an organization or even as an individual, I think you're committed for two reasons. One is you clearly understand the business case for the work, which we just kind of went through at least one facet of that business case. But you also understand the moral case for it. You understand the personal case, why this matters to you, why it's the right thing to do, not just the smart thing to do. So the moral case speaks to just that. Why is this ethically the right thing to do, morally the right thing to do? Well, you know, a number of organizations will say that their values speak to authenticity and integrity and transparency and all these nice, pretty buttoned up words. But if we don't really lean into inclusion, if we really aren't practicing equity to get us to a space of inclusion, then are we really operating in integrity? Are we really valuing authenticity? Are we really valuing transparency and being transparent, by the way? When we talk about Gen Z, one of their expectations is honesty, openness, and transparency. I call it keeping it hot, um, giving it to, <laughs> giving credit to- Come on, Michael Todd. <laughs> Michael Todd, <laughs> exactly. Keeping it honest, open, and transparent. So they're gonna wanna see the data behind what you claim to be doing as an organization, specifically in this area. So when I talk about the moral case, I mean, as a leader, why is this work important to you? Because when that business case isn't necessarily coming through in the first three months or six months of your diversity, equity, inclusion plan, what is going to keep you grounded? What's going to keep you there? And then when you're challenged from any of your employees as to why we're investing in this, why are we having this training, blah, 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 you can speak to not only the business rationale, but the personal case for this work. That's what I mean by the moral case. Awesome. So for those of you who don't know, short plug, Michael Todd with Transformation Church in Oklahoma. <laughs> no. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, uh, he runs a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church. We're two women of faith. Uh, if you want to have some, 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 some faith words, go check out Michael Todd. <laughs> for sure. For sure. <laughs> he is awesome. <laughs> um, so, you know, we're all, we're all in the part of risk and that's, you know, what we live and breathe by. What is the risk if we don't do it, or in other words, like I asked some of our clients, what is this going to cost you if you don't do it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to say it as plainly as possible, it could cost you your business. It could cost you your livelihood and the livelihood of the employees that you serve. And also it could cost you the ability to meet the needs of your customers, right? I firmly believe that if organizations don't get on this boat, as in if they don't get serious about creating inclusion by way of equitable practices and diversity, then you're gonna get left behind. As I mentioned, the country is browning as they say, right? In terms of, you know, I think all facets of difference, the expectation of us being far more accepting of those differences than we have been in the past is becoming a norm, not just with Gen Z, but I think with all of us, as we evolve and as we grow, it's important that we begin to understand and welcome other people's growth and their evolution, right? So I think the risk is not being here. And I, I really, really, really mean that. And I think it's time for organizations to truly understand that. And, and, and I'd say 
it may not happen in five years, it may not happen in 10 years, but when you think about the future of work and how diverse it truly is, maybe it's 20 years from now, but I guarantee you, if you don't get on this ship, you will be left behind. Yeah. So if you're not building a strategy with the future workforce in mind that encompasses equity, inclusion, and diversity, you're a part of that ship that might be left behind. So here's what I think is interesting. In crisis management and risk management, we tell people, if you don't have a plan, if you don't have a crisis strategy, if you don't do training, if you don't do exercises, you're going to be left behind and your business is going to suffer. So here's my question. Don't answer it. It's rhetorical for all of you who are listening. But what do you think is going to happen if we don't follow our own rules when it comes to building a strategy, an equitable strategy for specifically this conversation is around um, generations. Like, what's the risk to you (laughs) and your risk management and your business? What does that look like? I just talked to a CEO who is a boomer. He was asking me about technology. And a part of what I told him was, I don't just say we're woman-owned and minority-owned because it sounds good. I tell you that because it adds value to your business. Because to your point, Raven, your customer base and who you want to go after, they look like me. We did a talk with Hill Harper a few weeks ago. Hill Harper said, Black people put Twitter on the map because Black Twitter. (laughs) It was your Black and Brown population that helped to elevate that brand and what helped to really create a billion dollar product. So succession planning, Mm -hmm. Raven, Mm -hmm. you are um, abreast of what's happening in our country. And when I think about, I'm not gonna go into politics, but I'll say these names. When I think about um, President Joe Biden and former President Trump and the campaigns from both Republicans and Democrats, what are your thoughts on succession planning? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think, you know, succession planning is the key to truly generationally diversifying, not just our organization, but our leadership ranks, right? I think I talk to a lot of nonprofits and work with a lot of nonprofits, associations, those who serve communities, et cetera. And part of the biggest issue is the power that the boards have and the lack of diversity on those boards. I mean, there's so much power that sits at that table. Rewind that back. What'd you say? What'd you say? Because I didn't hear you. (laughs) I think a huge issue and one of the biggest risks that exists in the nonprofit space and even in the corporate space is the lack of diversity on boards. And that goes to not just gender diversity, not just racial and ethnic diversity, but also generational diversity. There's so many hoops you have to jump through. So many rules that we've come up with, right? And and by come up with, I mean come up with. (laughs) All of these rules that we just made up as the prerequisites necessary to be on a board and to add value, they're antiquated, they're dated. And and quite frankly, they're no longer effective. Because Mm. if you think about the power that a board has to either move an organization forward or to stunt an organization's growth, it is tremendous. And what better way to ensure that our board is actually moving an organization forward than to ensure that we have folks on that board that know about the future in a way that many of us don't. So I would love, I don't know this off the top of my head, but I would bet 
if I was a betting woman, that the average age of, of a nonprofit board is probably around late 50s to early 60s. Yep. And I think about, I, I just remember Mark Zuckerberg going to speak at Congress, speak on the Hill, and how many folks listening to him who run our nation had no clue how Facebook even functions and how it operates and certainly not how it makes money. And yet you're creating the laws. Correct. I mean, it's <laughs> a huge miss. It's such a huge miss. And so what's happened is, and I'll use President Biden as an example in his campaign, and, and pretty much his existence as the president today, is there was not a, a proper succession plan put in place within the Democratic Party and the Republican Party to ensure that we had ready leadership prepared to actually run for office. And so I tell the story often about Joe Biden's grandchildren coming to him one day and saying, we need you to run for our president. We want you to be home. We know you're in the sunset of your career, if not the sunset of your life. And we really want you to be able to enjoy that. But we have no one else who can compete here. So we need you to go run. So we bring this gentleman out of retirement because we've done a piss poor job at preparing the next generation of leaders. If we're not careful, your organization is gonna be just like the Democratic Party. And Trump wasn't, wasn't young either, right? He, he was also, I think maybe two years younger than Joe Biden. So still very, very um, experienced. <laughs> <laughs> that is too funny. Well, look, so I told y'all, it goes by fast. I could talk to her more, um, but it's our time to wrap. So I want you to please be sure to mention, um, uh, uh, excuse me, go download and subscribe to Raven's podcast, The Generational View. Um, secondly, if you're interested in speaking with Raven about your 2022 upcoming program and needs that you may have from a speaker perspective or for more support and DNI programming, go to ravensolomon.com. And then lastly, you guys work at companies. As you're listening to, to this, you know that person in your company who wants to hear this message, who needs to be blessed by this message. <laughs> Sharing is caring. Don't keep Raven a secret. Please share this, this information. Every single company is experiencing a risk with the transition and our generational leadership. And whether you are in the risk and crisis management, safety and security, public safety profession, I think that you all would definitely benefit from a conversation with Raven. And hopefully we can get her at a uh, DRJ conference pretty soon. Thank you for listening to the Business Resilience Decoded podcast brought to you by Asphalus Advisors and Disaster Recovery Journal. Make sure you check out the show notes for this episode to see all the upcoming events, programs, and ways we can support you. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, leave us a review, and share it with a friend. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.